Today we're starting a new series called At the Movies. And uh, during this series, we're going to look at a couple of, of movies that the, a vast majority of people have seen. So they're not obscure movies, but all of them are based, what I would say, on they're true to life. And by that I mean some are based on fact, some are purely fiction, um, but they all speak to a truth about life that, that we think is important to learn. So uh, now I've always been more of a book guy than a movie guy. Um, here's a well-worn favorite of mine. The classics, of course, were good, uh, but so was any good story. Black Beauty, Call of the Wild. I read my granddad, Zane Gray. Any Zane Gray fans in here? Two back there. I recommend Zane Gray. Um, remember the Reader's Digest condensed novels? Most of them were way beyond a fourth grader's ability and appropriateness to read, but, but I read them. Um, I, uh, I read those Choose Your Own Adventure books. Any, any Choose Your Own Adventure fans in here? I, I gotta admit, I was not a fan of Choose Your Own Adventures. For those of you who have never read a Choose Your Own Adventure, the stories began, you know, just normal enough. Some kids are, go outside and almost immediately they're faced with a choice. Do they, do they uh, follow the railroad tracks to the left or do they go in the cave on the right? And if you decide to follow the railroad tracks on the left, then you turn to page 10. And if you go down the, the tunnel into the cave, then you turn to page 20. And then you turn and, and then it will give you another choice. You go into the cave and then there's, there's two, two tunnels that lead off to the left and the right. You take the right tunnel or you take the left tunnel. If you take the right tunnel, you turn to page uh, 15, and then, and then you see pirates, and do you run from the pirates, or do you uh, run, uh, attack the pirates? If you attack the pirates, you turn to page, you know what I'm saying? You choose your own adventure. I, I gotta admit, I, I got the whole series of little choose your own adventure books. I did not care for choose your own adventure, because I always felt like I wasn't getting the real story. <laughs> I was sort of making it up, and I'm thinking, I can do that on my own. Just ask my parents. I lie all the time. I, I, can, I can make up a better story than this one. <laughs> so I wasn't a big fan of Choose Your Own Adventures, but I love to read. And so we were living in Guam at the time with my dad's job. I was in sixth grade, and, uh, and the teachers, sorry about that, Roger, and the teachers uh, gave us the opportunity for a field trip to go to the movies. The movie had, been, had come out in the States several months before to wild acclaim, and that was going to be shown at the uh, military movie theater, and we were gonna go as a school to see this movie. Now, as a reader, I would have just as much preferred a field trip to the library as to the movie theater, but you don't get much choice when you're sixth grade, so we all, we all traipse to the movie theater. Of course, when it starts, you saw sort of a, a hint of that, it's, it's words in a galaxy far, far away. I'm thinking, oh, we're going to read this movie. That'll be good. <laughs> it's, it's not the same as the library, but it's just as good. <laughs> I left the theater with a, uh, with a couple of, of impressions. The first one was this, that Darth Vader was the greatest villain in cinematic history. That R2-D2 and C-3PO would make great road trip buddies and that Luke and Leia made a really cute couple. So life lessons from Star Wars that I learned, uh, one, first impressions are often wrong. Darth Vader was, was a pretty low-level bad guy compared to the rest of the bad guys out there. Um, Luke and Leia, 
probably not going to happen. Hopefully, that's not going to happen. But I was right about R2-D2 and C-3PO. I still think they would be great road trip buddies. And the reasons for a success, uh, I think there was the cinematic, the production values of it. It was phenomenal at the time. John Williams' musical score is still iconic, and as I was telling Darren earlier, is as much a part of the, of the story as any of the characters. Um, but what I think about that movie and what impacted me the most about it was the story. The story was, as I said before, true to life, even though it was set in a galaxy far, far away. And Brandon dismissed it as a fairy tale just a little bit ago. But it was a true-to-life story, and it captured every young kid's idea about what life should be. It should have purpose, and it should have mission. And now as an adult, and especially as a Christian, I have no difficulty identifying with this desire even now. And I think I'm surrounded by a whole host of witnesses who would agree with me. There's Moses and David, John the Baptist, even Jesus. Hebrews chapter 11 gives us uh, Abel and um, his, his sacrifice of the heart versus the work of his hands, his, um, uh, his willingness to, to be obedient to God, even though he barely knew who God was. And Enoch, who the scriptures just simply mysteriously say, pleased God rather than man. We're more familiar with Noah, who obeyed God in building the ark, even though he had never really even seen a flood or rain. And Abraham, who went on this great journey, even though he didn't know where it was going to end. And even Sarah, maligned Sarah, who, who came to believe. And God, even in her unbelief, God invested and trusted in her. And as, as a result of her eventually coming to believe, not only did Sarah and Abraham have a son, but they had generations and generations and generations of descendants. The scriptures said they would have children as numerous as the sands on the sea, in the sea, and, and I believe that that is true. Like all those heroes, we have in our story Luke. Now, let me just do a disclaimer first off. Brandon is obviously the Star Wars expert in the room. I, I feel a little bit um, intimidated by even talking about these characters because I feel like he really knows better than I do. I got a text from Nate Flynn saying, I feel like Brandon should have preached the message this morning. And I'm like, I think you're probably right. So Brandon, have grace. If you need to correct me, do it. Do it quietly afterwards. But the story, those of us who have seen the story, and I know there are those who haven't. In fact, just as a general show of hands, so I know the, the level of ignorance that I'm dealing with in this room right now, who has never seen a Star Wars film? Just raise your hand and be proud about it. Okay, well, it's not as bad as I thought it was going to be. But uh, the rest of you, you will just, when I say something that is, that is true, say amen. If I say something that is not right or that is discounted in later episodes, just nudge your neighbor and say, hey, I'll tell you more later. Tim doesn't quite know what he's talking about in this instance. <laughs> we have Luke, who is uh, a, the resident of a lonely and forgotten planet, a nobody we think, at the beginning, who, who is called to this mission by a hologram, a hologram which in 1976, I guess, what year, Brandon? 77? Marla Jones, expert on Star Wars as well. Uh, 1977, a hologram was the latest and greatest. And so we have this princess uh, in a hologram calling this, this, this little robot to deliver a message 
to save the, uh, save, save the world, save the galaxy. And Luke serendipitously hears this. And he gets called into and sucked into this big adventure. I love adventure stories. Anyone, anyone watch Lonesome Dove when it was on TV years ago? Anyone, has anyone read that novel, the book? It is the best. It is a heartbreakingly beautiful adventure story. I love those kinds of stories. The true to life stories. There was a guy uh, that I read years ago, fiction, not nonfiction, uh, nonfiction, not fiction. The, the book he wrote was called A Hero's Journey. And in it, he tells about all these stories that we love and the common things that they share. The common, the common elements that these stories have where they, they talk about the path of human experience, especially when guided by a divine mission. Um, and he talks about these three elements. He says every, every one of these stories include these three things, a, a departure when a man, a woman, a boy or a girl living a very normal life in a very normal place for them discovers the necessity to leave the familiar and the comfortable and with a mission or duty, they begin their initiation. The initiation is where they make the journey inside their head or outside the planet to a new and oftentimes dangerous place where they learn new skills, they make new friends, they make new enemies. And despite the battles and the conflicts, they ultimately survive to return. So we've got the departure, the initiation, and the return where they go back home, where they are oftentimes a hero, but the purpose in them returning is to make their home and their people stronger or wiser or better in some way. And the, the author identifies these stages by those three things, departure, initiation, and return. And they're, they're sort of universal human experiences. The Bible speaks to these issues time and time and time again. And I, I'm a firm believer that, that, that it's, 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 it's in the Bible because it's true, not the flip. It's not true because it's in the Bible. It's in the Bible because it is true. And in this instance, these true-to-life stories correspond to true historical stories of, of Abraham and Moses and Isaac. So in Genesis 12, 1, if you've got your Bibles this morning, we're going old school. I got a call from Emily Friday saying, hey, do you have slides ready for Sunday? Do you want anything put up? And I'm like, no, I'm still fighting this, ser this sermon. I've still got three more episodes of Star Wars to watch. I don't know nothing. <laughs> so we're going to go old school. So we're using Bibles this morning. And, and just for anyone's benefit, here on the front of the stage, we have these daily walk Bibles. One of, the, one of the ladies in our church donated these to the church. They're daily readings of scripture, and through the year, you will go through the entire Bible if you follow these along. Now, we're six days in, so you got a little catching up to do. But if you need a Bible this morning, there's, six, there's eight right here on either side of me. So come up and grab one. You do not need to feel embarrassed about that at all. Or you can open up your app on your phone. Um, Genesis is the very first book in the Bible. Um, and we'll be using our Bibles quite a bit, or you can just pick up that leather-bound one that you've brought with you this morning, and we can use that as well. So we're going to turn to Genesis chapter 12, and, uh, and we're going to start with the very first verse in Genesis chapter 12. And if you're actually looking it up, tell me yay when you're there. Yay, 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 yay. Here's what it says. The Lord had said to Abram, go from your country your people and your father's household to the land I will show you. This is 
the departure in Alexander Campbell's terms. Just as Luke received his call, just as Abraham received his call, just as Moses in front of that burning bush answered the call of God and said yes to it. We also have received a call, a call to leave the past and the familiar, leave it behind to say goodbye to childhood and say yes to the unknown challenges that life is going to bring us. In this room, we have people dealing with uh, all kinds of realities. We have cancer, we have uh, young love, we have love that is fading, we have broken hearts, we have dads and moms trying to raise families with all kinds of dragons and monsters and stuff out there uh, that they have to fight and they have to, they have to slay and they have to overcome these big challenges. But like Luke, we are pushed forward by life and our own innate sense of adventure sometimes to leave the known, to depart from the known, and step into the unknown and trust ourselves to God and whatever the future and our journey throw at us. Can any of you identify a time in your life where you were called to depart? A very clear call that said, the past is the past and now the future is in front of you. Say yes to it. Maybe it was standing before the preacher with your love of your life beside you and you said yes the past is the past and now we're moving forward maybe it was in the nursery um, where you're looking at your newborn child and you say I can't be the same person I was before I've got I've got a new role to play in this young infant's life maybe it's in the doctor's office when you get some horrible news and you go okay I now have to muster up new skills and new reserves of energy and determination to face what is coming at me right now. But the call always leads us to a place where we are, we are initiated into um, the engagement with a challenge or facing down an enemy. And this too is true to life. Luke had Darth Vader and the Empire and the Death Star but we have our own enemy, the devil, and the weapons he uses seem actually fairly innocuous. Not that big a deal. 1 John 2.16 says this. 1 John is in the New Testament, really towards the end. 1 John 2.16 says this. Everything in the world, and this world is the devil's uh, battlefield, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life comes not from the Father, but from the world, because we do mistake it sometimes as being from God. But it's not. The devil uses the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. Every day we're in a battle against these adversaries in our own lives. They don't sound like much, do they? But they are the most effective weapon Satan has in his arsenal to distract us and disable us from the call that we've received from our Heavenly Father. Now, Luke had the gift of a mentor. He had a, a lightsaber. He had the force. What, what do we have? So turn to John 14. John is the fourth. We're going to stay in John 14 for a while, so, so it's probably worthwhile going over there. John, four, John is the fourth book uh, in the Gospels. It is, um, the, the Gospels are the biography of Jesus. They tell the story of Jesus' interaction with people here on the earth. That's the fourth one, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. So if you're using a paper Bible with actual paper pages, you can flip and find it there pretty quickly. John 14, um, I've talked long enough. You should be there by now. Anyone still looking? I will wait for you. 
John 14, verse 16, Jesus says this. He is preparing to leave the earth, and he's leaving his disciples with some, some words of wisdom to move, move them and encourage them and strengthen them for the, whatever is going to be coming next. And he says this, I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. Now, the world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. And then jump down to verse 26, where he picks up this theme. The advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. So the promise of the indwelling and empowering Holy Spirit to help and teach you, who will be with you and in you. We don't need Yoda. We have the Holy Spirit. We also have the Word of God. Now, the Word of God is more than this. It is this. But it is more than just that leather-bound book that's on your nightstand or in your hands right now. In John 14, verse 23, same passage, Jesus says this. Jesus replied, anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My Father will love them, and we will come to them and make our home with them. Luke had a lightsaber. We have the promise from the very Word of God, the Logos, the Scripture says, the Word of God to be present with us, to be present with us when we obey His Word. His Word is compared to a sword, the sword of the Spirit, the Scripture calls it, which is not so much a sword like a lightsaber to to swipe and wipe at, at our enemies, both real and imagined. But our, the sword is, in, in many ways, is like a surgical knife that is used to um, get in there and slowly remove from our hearts and our minds the cancerous, tumorous lies that the enemy has placed in there. These things can get around us, they can dig deep in, and it requires a surgeon's skill to remove them. And that's what the Word of God does. But I love that, I love that, the very fact that when we are being obedient to God's Word, he, Jesus promises to be present right there in it. We're not operating from a handbook. We are operating from the position of this deep, deep relationship that when we say yes to God's Word, and obedience to it, we know and are confident that he is with us and in us as we obey. Now Luke had the strange and enigmatic force, but we have the clear and precious wonderful promise from the very prince of peace of his own peace. Peace that is only his to give. You've heard of the the Prince of Wales, maybe. The Prince of Wales controls the country of Wales, and it's in his, dis his power, or it was at one point in time, to dispense property in Wales to anyone he, ch he chooses to please. That property would always would be his to give, but you would have it as your possession. We have property from the Prince of Peace. That property is called peace. We, we receive it from him. It is his peace that he gives to us. Have you ever tried to tell someone, don't worry, it's going to be all right? And how unsuccessful that is most of the time because our confidence and our peace is not so easily transferred 
from our heart and our mind to someone else. We do this with our children. We do this with our spouses sometimes. Don't worry, we say. It's all going to be all right. And maybe that can satisfy in a moment, but soon those anxieties and fears can pop up again. And you have to say again, don't worry. Trust me. I've been there. I've done that. It's going to be all right. And you are absolutely sure that it is going to be all right. They, not so much. But when Jesus says, I will give you my peace, he's not saying, I'll make you feel better. He will, he's saying, I am going to implant in you something that is outside of you. Peace that no one else can give you. Peace that you can't, you can't muster it up yourself. It is my peace that I'm going to give to you. Yoda said this, you will know the way when you are calm and at peace. And I agree with him. Luke 14, 27 says this, peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives, so do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. The peace that you experience is not something that you've created of, of yourself. It is peace that God has given you. And with these three gracious gifts, we cannot help but be successful in our mission. And what is the mission that we've been recruited for? Well, here it is. Jesus Jesus had a mission, and he is our leader, so we follow on him. His mission was this, John 10.10. 10. He says this, the enemy is intent on death and destruction, but I have come so that they may have life and have it abundantly. Now, temporarily, we can look for abundant life in, in different things. We can, we can look for it in uh, wealth and power when we confuse our possessions with God's provision. We can, we can look for it in, in public opinion. And we confuse the opinions of others with the opinions of our Father. We can look for it in churchy stuff where we busy ourselves with, with good but temporary things and neglect the eternally grand and great mission of God. And as a single guy, I, I step into really dark waters when I say this, but, but we can mistake home and family for the mission of God. You know, no, no matter how good relationships can become a distraction, and an idol that move us away from God. We can, we can get confused in our mission when we start thinking about just social good. You know, I've said this many times, and I, I believe it wholeheartedly, that, that the purpose of Sherwood Oaks in Bedford is not to be the best church in Bedford, but the best church for Bedford. But in saying that, we have to be very careful because um, while it is right and good that we seek the welfare of the place that we live, the promise to us is that we seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and then all the other things will come into play at the right time, the proper place. And then personal fulfillment. We can mistake that for our mission. You know, small children make the mistake of thinking that they're the center of the universe, but we can do the same thing. If you insist on being both the author and the main character of your story, I'm telling you right now, no one's going to be that interested in hearing it. Instead, we're asked to submit our lives to the true author. You know, trying to figure it out on our own is as frustrating to me as those choose-your-own-adventure books. We're never sure that we're getting it right. We never really have that confidence and peace, that confident knowledge that our lives have meaning and purpose, that things are going somewhere and will end up in the right place. We're never sure that we have value or that we matter. 
But when we submit our lives to the author of our story, the author who knows it best and can arrange the plot and all the sub-characters to get us to where we're supposed to end up. That's, that's, when, we, that's when we know we're in the right place, when we're trusting the true author. And our mission then is to is to tell and others remind and tell and remind others of this, of the true author, the one who can bring life and bring it abundantly. Matthew 28, many of us can recite it by memory. Go and make disciples of all nations, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And then the promise there at the end of that, and surely I am with you to the end of the world. The mission is not for an exclusive few. It has been opened up for anyone who will believe and trust and obey. All nations. So we're called to lead by example, to share our faith, to live like everyday missionaries, to live like God owns everything, less concerned with our stuff and more interested in how God can use it. We do it by obeying God's word, by listening and trusting and obeying the Holy Spirit. We live in peace, not in fear. In this faithless world, we have faith. And in this cynical and bitter world, we show trust, trust through it all in the Prince of Peace. Yoda said this. You didn't know you are going to get a couple of Yoda quotes today. Fear is, I wish I could speak like Yoda. Anyone got a good voice, Yoda voice? Fear is a path to the dark side. Fear leads to anger, anger leads to hate, and hate leads to suffering. I think that's a true-to-life statement. For 2 Timothy 1.7 says this, God gives us a spirit, not of fear, but of power and of love and self-control. So, let's live in that. You know, we may not have the storytelling ability of George Lucas or the, the puppet mastery of Jim Henson or the musical composition skills of a John Williams, but... If we trust our story to the authors, ours is every bit as life-changing as that of one told in a galaxy far, far away. Now, in every hero's journey, there is always a homecoming. Luke and the whole squadron of fighters return to their base camp, exhilarated at the success of their mission. They fought well, and um, if you're uninitiated in the Star Wars legacy, you might think that it's done. But, uh, but thankfully for Brandon, um, the Empire will strike back, the Jedi will return, the Phantom will continue to, the clones will... Some of you are really doing well on this and others are going, what in the world is going on right now? <laughs> Uh, the Sith will get their revenge. The Force will, and somewhere in that galaxy far, far away, we will hear of a man and a DeLorean. Anyone? Anyone? This is where, this is where you can throw things at me if you want to. Sorry about that. Back, back to the point. Our stories don't wrap up so quickly either. Our story will continue from this planet 
into eternity. Those of us who have a new hope have an eternal hope as well. One last Yoda quote. Luminous beings are we, not this crude matter. And he's right. 1 Corinthians 15.50 says this, I declare to you, brothers and sisters, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Listen, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep, but we will all be changed. In a flash, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound, the dead will be raised imperishable, and we will be changed. For the perishable must clothe itself with imperishable, and the mortal with immortality. We are made for eternity. So let's live like it. What about you? You know, I wish I had a hologram transmission to convince you to join God's mission. But perhaps this morning you've been sensing it. And you've been, you've been uh, feeling the invitation, nonetheless. That nudging that says that, that life up to this point has been maybe just a little pointless. Something that stirs in you to join something bigger than yourself. That will change you and change the world as you know it. You know, our stories are about heroes. But God doesn't guarantee acclaim or recognition. And he may never call you to even leave that little desert planet on the far side of the galaxy. But as the author of life and eternity, he has written an amazing and satisfying story for you. And he promises to be with you as you go. Lo, I am with you to the end of the world. And, and that is the promise that has meant the most to me in my now 40-odd years of following Jesus. You see, I, I, I know this, that I don't put my trust in a force. I put my trust in a friend. And a friend who's a wonderful counselor, a patient teacher, uh, a gracious and kind instructor who convinces me in my error and puts me back in the right way. He's been my sacrifice and he's been my savior. And he wants to be the same for you. This morning we're going to close with prayer. And I'm going to ask John to come back and sing that song we sang right before um, the third song. The new one, I didn't know it, but I, yeah, I really, I like that song. We're going to sing it, maybe just, maybe just a, a portion of it, um, but I think it's good. I'm going to be up here at the front, um, and then I'll be up here at the end of the service as well. Um, we're going to do some fun stuff out in the foyer, and, and I got an announcement about uh, Nick and uh, Christy Flynn, um, ways that we can be involved in their life, uh, but right now, let's stand, and we're going to sing. Uh, just a reminder that God is with us.